You know, I don't know that I know a single person who says that they like party politics. That when they, or when you ask them, you know, why do you do politics at all? Why do you get involved? I don't know that I know anybody who says, I really enjoy politics, partisanship, and all the dirty, nasty things that go on in there. In fact, I think it's pretty universal that people will say that they hate the dirty tricks. They hate the petty alliances and the petty vendettas and everything. So it creates kind of this interesting dichotomy where you've got on the one hand people who say they hate what they're doing, yet they clamor to keep doing it. So let's talk about that and talk about what we've seen of that in the last couple of weeks as we jump into another hazardous conversation. Trigger warning disclaimer. Hazardous Conversations pushes rhetorical boundaries for acceptable political discourse. Listening to this program could have the uncomfortable side effect of provoking deep intellectual inquiry into foundational principles of liberty. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Hazardous Conversations. My name is Tyler Miller. I'm your host, and I apologize. It's been almost two and a half weeks since I recorded the last episode, and I believe in that episode I said I would be more frequent. Well, Life happens. I say this all the time. We're trying to run a homestead, working a full-time job. This is kind of my uh, my passion uh, pleasure, so it doesn't always get the top priority. We uh, added a cow to the mix on our homestead, so we've added pigs, and now we've got a dairy cow, and it's been <laughs> a fun challenge uh, learning how to be cow parents, uh, especially with uh, my neighbor's herd next door uh she wants to be with them and they want to eat all of her hay so (laughs) but it's great we've got a great relationship with him uh he's been fantastic helping us learn um and being a a really good sport with us going through our newbie wolves so appreciate all of his help all right party politics um can't recall if i've touched upon this in the past probably but i used to be part of the party apparatus i was in a leadership role in my county party in washington i was on the executive board at the state party and i know unfortunately how these things operate on the one hand they're operating exactly as they're designed on the other hand they are completely dysfunctional pos's you know and, and we've seen that right we've seen that in the last couple of days where Nothing changes if nothing changes, right? You are electing the same people who have failed over and over again to produce any results. Uh, You keep electing them back to leadership roles, and you wonder why things don't get any better. Well, we all know the definition of insanity, right? You keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And that's what's going on. We did it at, well, Washington State did it at the state level, re-electing Caleb Heimlich. And look, I know Caleb. I have a great personal relationship with Caleb. Um, I wouldn't say we were close friends, but we got to know each other working on party events. And I believe I earned his trust and he earned mine. But you can't argue with his results, which are pretty abysmal when it comes to the first function of the party, which is to get Republicans elected. You know, you can you can lay a lot of things at his feet as far as problems, origins, challenges that he's faced, but 
part of being in that position is overcoming those challenges, uh, defeating those challenges, uh, turning those challenges into assets. And I think it's pretty well established at this point that he hasn't done a very good job on the main metric. Hopefully everyone understands that there's multiple levels of metric to measure success, right? And one of them is fundraising. Let's not lie about that to ourselves. You know, fundraising, if you don't have the money to run political campaigns, you can't run political campaigns. So being an effective fundraiser, getting those big ticket donors is important. But I think Trump proved that you don't need the big ticket donors all the time. You can do, and Bernie Sanders, I think, did this as well. You can have an incredibly effective political campaign through small contribution donors if you have a ton of them. And this is one of the things, the uh, the party insider things that you learn about, is that when the party, when the officials in the party are looking at candidate viability, and I hate that word, but it's it's a real thing, candidate viability, one of the things that they look at is, is your ability to raise funds is your ability to not only raise funds, but have a broad base from which those funds are coming, a diversity of donors. And hands down, it is way better to have 100 donors at $5 a piece than it is to have one donor at $500. It, it just is for a couple of reasons. One is that showing that you are winning hearts and minds enough to where you're getting them to give up their capital. The other thing that it's showing is sustainability, because if I've given you a, a candidate five bucks today, it's likely I'll be able to give them another five bucks or more a little bit later on. So you have a longer campaign, a longer fundraising period, which translates into a longer campaigning period, which translates into a more effective campaigning period. The flip side of that is that there are only so many people, you know, that can do that, especially when you're talking more local levels where if you've got a state of only 7 million people and if you believe that only, you know, a third of those people are actually party people and then you take maybe a quarter of that number that are actually enough of party people to actually give money there's only so much of that to go around. So you do need to kind of go and court those bigger dollar amounts. And therein lies part of the problem. Therein lies part of the divide and the schism is people who believe that we must have those big ticket donors at the expense of the grassroots party members. And, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to necessarily take a side here because I see both sides of it. But I will take the side of if you ignore the grassroots, if you ignore the base of your party in favor of the donor class, you don't have a party for very long. You just don't. You can spend all the money you want to, but people will vote with their feet. Will they go to the Democrats? No, probably not. Will they go to the Libertarians? Some, unfortunately. Um, But there's a lot of talk about trying to start a viable third party. And I'll touch on that in a little bit. But the point is, people will vote with their feet. Either they'll move out of your state, like we did, or they will stop participating at the state level, and they'll just say to hell with your state candidates, your senators, your 
secretaries of states, whatever, and turn inwards, turn more local, which is a great option if you plan to stay and fight it out wherever you're at. But they're not going to just sit around and be abused endlessly, or at least not all of them. And eventually your big ticket donors will realize that you don't have the votes and they will stop being your big ticket donors because they're not going to donate to a voting block that is non-existent. So that's what I have to say about that part of it. And God bless Caleb Heimlich, but he either personally believes or has fallen into the belief that only the big ticket donor are to be listened to and to be catered to and be sought after. And he has shown, unfortunately, that that is where he will go time and time again, unless he's forced into another path like he was with supporting Lauren Culp in the 2020 gubernatorial race. And yeah, I do have personal firsthand knowledge of how that all went down and I may share that in detail with you at some point but the state party did not go willingly into that fight regardless of whatever show they put on uh, after the fact so Washington State has the same effective leadership at the state level of the party and they go on to the national and they completely ignore the state committee's endorsement of uh, Harmeet Dillon uh, to be the next RNC chair. Uh, I have firsthand knowledge that at least two of the three delegates from the Washington State Republican Party to the Republican National Committee voted for Rona Daniels, and I have very strong suspicions that all three of them did. Now, we can have a much deeper philosophical discussion, kind of piggybacking on the last episode about delegates, all right? When you're elected as a delegate or a representative, um, there's a great Edmund Burke quote that I is escaping me right now, and since I'm not at home at the moment, I don't have my quotations book, and I'm not going to use the Google machine, but to paraphrase, Edmund Burke, British parliamentarian back in the uh, 18th century, representatives aren't just um, echo chambers of the people they represent. They just aren't. They can't be. The whole idea of representative government is that the representatives that you send to a convention, that you send to a legislature, that you send to a Congress, will, by necessity of being there, have access to more, better, pertinent information than the people that sent them there would have. And as such, that might lead them to voting or uh, choosing to uh, pursue policies that may, at least on the surface, disagree with the will of the people who sent them there, their constituents. Now, ideally, representative learns something, they feed that back to their constituents, give the constituents a chance to mull it over, give feedback, and then takes that view back back to Congress, back to the legislature, back to the convention, whatever if time affords. Um, Time doesn't always afford. But I think in this instance, when you're talking party politics and party structure, I I don't think that the same philosophical principle of representative delegates applies. I think that if you are elected to be a delegate speaking for your uh, constituents, which in this case is your local Republican party, you are being sent there to be the voice of that party, the voice of that body. So if you are elected as a state committee man or committee woman or the chair of your county 
Republican Party, you go to the state to speak for your county's party. And if the party at your county level has taken a very specific issue, stance on an issue, such as endorsing a specific person for a specific position within the upper party apparatus, your job as a delegate is to be that voice and to vote that way. And to break with that is to, in, in my opinion, completely betray all of the trust that has been given to you in the position uh, as a delegate, whether that's chairman, chairperson, state committee man, uh, or committee man, committee woman, national, state, whatever. Within the party structure, if you are chosen as a delegate, you are there to represent the people who put you in the position of being a delegate and to be their voice. And it just fries me when people who I trust and I admire have been the very people who have violated that trust. There are chairmen of county parties in Washington State because I still follow Washington State politics, even though we've been away from there for a year now. There are chair people that I know voted against the endorsements of their county parties. The parties that they chair, they said to hell with the committeemen, to hell with the central committee members of the party that I chair. I'm voting for someone because of a personal promise I made to that person. That is the very definition of the things that have us pissed off with politics right now, with, with the people in politics is they are being held hostage or they are holding more dear their own personal alliances, their own personal interactions, than the will of the people who put them in that position in the first place. And it just gets under my skin, as I'm sure it gets under your skin. So then the people that, that the county, the, the state committee elected as representatives to the Republican National Committee... They go and ignore the voice of the Washington State Central Committee and their chosen endorsement of Harmeet Dillon over Rona Daniels. And right there is utter corruption that should just cause the entire party apparatus in that state, if they have any principles whatsoever, to call an emergency meeting in the state committee and fire every single one of those bastards. It's so infuriating to see this kind of chicanery, and it just, oh, man. And the thing is, it doesn't end there. We know it doesn't end there. We've got people uh, up and down the party, at the very local levels, all the way up through the national levels, who are, they're entrenched. They are just as much a problem of the deep state in the party as the swamp dwellers are a part of the actual deep state in government. They care nothing for the advancement of anything other than their own personal agendas, their own personal brand of politics. And honestly, I don't know that they even have a brand of politics. I don't even know that they have definitive principles that they're fighting for. They hold on to and they tout uh, very platitudinal positions on things such as low taxes and small government and all this stuff. But when it comes to actually having the opportunity to instill any of those principles or to advance those principles any meaningful way, they shrink up smaller and tighter than little raisins. It's ridiculous. And yet these are the people who 
clamor for the power over and over and over again, and then will sabotage anybody who tries to outdo them, replace them, or just makes them look bad. This is the exact same targeting that Trump has endured this entire time since he announced in 2015. He's an outsider, and he they, they can't have him succeed because he made it so apparent how utterly broken they are. Now, this isn't me parroting for Trump. This is just as in, by way of an example of the same type of people that you have at the local levels. These are the people who would rather be part of the club and be liked than actually win an advanced conservative libertarian principles. And it is so disheartening for those of us who give a damn, who want to see things turn around, who love this country and want to see it survive, to see people who are ostensibly on our own side, supposedly, being the ones who very often are the ones kneecapping us at every turn. So why is that? Well, I hate to say it, but money really has a lot to do with it. People get into politics because they know it's a cash cow, or because it puts them in the right circles of influence for their own little petty things that they're doing. Or it's just a hobby that fills up an empty hole in their lives otherwise. But this is the challenge that we face. And what do we do in response to it? Do we just say to hell with the GOP and go our own way, form a third party, or join the libertarians and try to bolster them into something that's actually meaningful? You know, I don't know. And yeah, I do rag on the libertarian party, the big L libertarian party, because they don't I don't want to say they don't have principles. They do have principles. It's just I don't agree with their principles. Their principles are so loosey-goosey that they can objectively change on a dime. They go with the times. They flow. They they have some things that they're solid and rock solid on, but they tend to completely fail to grasp the connection between social responsibility and social policy. They are willing to let social policy go in whatever direction society wants it to go, not understanding or not embracing the impact that that has. And yes, that is libertarianism. Big L libertarianism and even little L libertarianism to a certain degree. They play fast and loose with things that you shouldn't play fast and loose with. Or you can't play fast and loose with with the way that the left will take advantage of you playing fast and loose with it. So what do we do? Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. We live in a republic. I am a Republican. Does that mean I'm a big R Republican? Well, I should be able to be. If I'm a Republican little r, then I should be able to have a party, big R, that reflects those values, that reflects those principles. So yeah, I'm going to keep fighting for that. Thankfully, I now live in a state where it at least seems that we have a Republican Party that hasn't gone off the deep end yet. Now, there's what I'm learning, and I'm still learning the ins and outs of my state party here. But, you know, it's got its problems, too. Remember, it wasn't so long ago that Bill Clinton was the governor of this state. All right, and what happened, my understanding, what happened is that a lot of, along the lines, a lot of the Democrats that saw the writing on the wall with the uh, political shift in this area, they all switched their D's to R's and just kept right on in positions of power. 
So just because someone has an R next to their name doesn't mean that they are a person of principle. So the question stands, what do we do? Well, I see a lot of movement behind the idea of not funding the party. I would agree. Do not fund the National Republican Party. Just don't. They are completely worthless and will bear, in my opinion, nothing but ill effects for the next two years. I'm going to leave it up to you and your good judgment on whether or not you think you should endorse or support, funding-wise, your state party. Because not every state party is equally bad. But I would say put most of your attention and most of your resources into your local county parties. Because, as always, that is where your biggest influence is felt and had. Even if you're in a party, even if you're in a county where the Republican Party is very small and very weak, you can work to be effective in turning that tide um, and even being an effective voice, even from a very minority position. That's where you need to put your energy and your resources, as local as you can. Get into your counties, get into your cities, and put your effort in people and forget what the letter next to their name is. Okay? Does that mean that I would support the right person that has a D next to their name? Well, in abstract conception, sure. However, I also know that there's absolutely no one who would willingly put a D next to their name that has values anywhere near those which I would support. So, um, I think it's a false question, but in an abstract notion, yes. Support people, not parties. At this point, forget that we have political parties. Forget that they exist. Forget that they have any influence and support people. So find the right person and support their campaign directly. And make the party understand that we're not having it anymore. Because if we don't, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Now, does that mean we have to risk losing and giving the Democrats even more power? Yes, it does. Unequivocally, it does. But that's when we rely and remember who ultimately is in control. How much faith are we going to put in him to see us through? Stop believing in a person. Stop believing in a system. Trust the Lord and his providence and put your support behind people who supports and reflects his values. With that, I'm going to wrap things up. I know I said it before, but I'll say it again. I'm going to try to be a little bit more consistent. I'm going to be traveling for work here in a little bit, but I'm going to take the equipment with me. So Hopefully I'll get that all squared away. I was missing a key piece for a little bit, but I got it replaced so I can record now from anywhere. Who knows, I may be recording this from somewhere other than my own location, but I do plan on putting this out a little bit more. So hopefully uh, you haven't gotten dissuaded by my absence and will continue to tune in. With that... Please like the podcast, share the podcast, rate the podcast, comment on anything that I've said. Please offer me some feedback. And God be with you all in all that you do. Remember, keep the faith and keep up the fight.